1: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VDW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Christopher Media. Let's make some noise.
0: Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime.
1: What's this documentary for? You're gonna do a, a making, up, making of him. And
0: then you gotta do a making of the documentary. Isn't there another guy with a camera? There's somebody following out. you gotta have a bunch of coming up on the foundation upon which my entire life was built.
1: I told Kevin Smith many times, you're one of the reasons I'm a director. There's an element of luck involved, but it's also being the voice of your generation, which he
0: was. I saw a movie and it made me change everything. Like, hey, I'm writing a script and I'm putting you in it. I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. And we were gonna make like a video with some friends. I knew he was one of these guys that was into plays. Somebody I would never have anything in common with. He was in every play in high school. There was nobody in film school that could write
1: like that. 25 years later, people are still talking about clerks. I was aware of Kevin Smith beyond his movies, but as an idea. I mean, he was eloquent, and he was funny, and he would go on stage and talk for an hour. Kevin has created his own world, his own humor, his own fan base. Fans coming from Australia, Brazil, it connected with them. Kevin was the first person I knew that set up an internet visibility to reach his fan base. Kevin was on there. He would talk to everybody. Now, you do that anywhere, but back then, it was just unheard of. We also had common interests and comics star wars and hockey that we're now fully in the world that he was always evangelizing i'm such a fan of
0: his i would have done it if it was a human walrus movie i love kevin smith hello awesome dude he is a god among nerds who doesn't know who kevin smith is
1: he became a cultural touchstone beyond the movies that he
0: made he carved his own path in a way that i don't think was possible when he started he will never give up
1: he will find a way to keep going and going and going It was by default that I wound up working at the store that would literally change my life. Hey folks, welcome to a special episode of The Projection Booth. Today I am wrapping up coverage of South by Southwest. I'm hoping that I will be able to catch up with a few more movies along the way. There's that Sparks documentary that I hear is pretty fantastic. I'm looking forward to seeing that. I doubt I'll be able to speak to the director of that anytime soon. Edgar Baby, if you're listening, please give me a call. On this episode, I am talking to director Malcolm Ingram about his new film, Clerk. It is the Kevin Smith story. What is there to say about Kevin Smith that hasn't been said before? Surprisingly, quite a bit. Ingram puts a lot of effort into this. You can really tell that he respects and admires Smith and that he and Smith have been friends for a long time. Smith is a little bit of an open book. We've all seen his uh tribute to his wife's taint on Twitter. God, it pains me to even say that. But this movie actually does a good job of kind of recontextualizing Smith, showing us the humble beginnings The clerk days, the big breakout that he had, and what he's done since. He's gone through a lot of different phases in his career. He's done a lot of different things over the years. I haven't necessarily gotten down with all of them. Still haven't seen Yoga Hosers because I hated Tusk so much. Not a big fan of Comic Book Men, that TV show. But hey, you know what? He's trying different stuff. More power to him. I had a great opportunity to finally talk with Malcolm. He is talking to me from his car, so be warned that this is not the best audio quality in the world. At least he didn't get into an accident, so there is that as a positive. I had a great time talking with him, and I hope that you enjoy this conversation.
0: How's it going? It's
1: going well. How are you doing? How was your world premiere?
0: It was good, man. It's You know what? It's crazy. It's fucking, It's it's crazy. It's a privilege to get to show your movie. It's a weird way to show your movie. COVID sucks. The past year has been bizarre, but I'm glad that people are finally seeing. A lot of people are liking it.
1: Well, they should. It's a great doc.
0: Thanks, man. Like, it's interesting because thing about reviews is that, like, look, if you believe the good ones, you got to believe the bad ones. So essentially, it's very looking at stuff, and I usually try not to look at stuff. But it, it's funny. Like, there's very, very confusing. Like, some people are just like. It's formless. It gets, is a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, well, no, it's, it's kind of a traditional like examination from period to period of the man's career. It's just very funny. Like you just find yourself arguing with critics and you're like, what am I doing? Like everybody's allowed to have their opinion. You just get caught in these traps of like, you want to defend yourself and you're just like, don't be crazy. Like one, one reviewer like said something that like literally pissed me off. And I was like, cause they were factually incorrect. And I was just and you're just like, I'm going to send them an email. And then you're like, just calm down. let have people have their opinions. You don't got to fucking fight everybody. You know, and this movie is a little personal because, you know, I made it about a friend. So you don't want to fuck that up. Right. It's a very complicated thing. So, you know, there's a lot of pressure on. So if people take it wrong or people, you know, you kind of, you got to, I'm a little defensive, and I'm trying not to fit.
1: How did you and Smith meet? We met
0: at the Toronto Film Festival in 94. I was writing for Film Threat Magazine. He was showing quirks. We met at a French restaurant, and he ordered pancakes. Not crepes, but pancakes. He was just like, do you guys have any of them pancakes? And they're like, uh, crepes, sir? And he's like, no, pancakes. Like, that's the first memory I have of Kevin. In our first conversation, that when I met Kevin, I was wearing, a, I was a huge fan of 9 to specifically Shannon Doherty. And he was telling me that this movie he's making called Mall Rats. I was like, what are you doing next? Movie I'm like, if you make a movie called Mall Rats, it takes you know, it's this kind of thing. If it's corpse in a mall, you gotta cast Shannon Doherty. And it all of these fucking reasons the time why I should. And the funny, he ended up casting Shannon Doherty. It's just, it's a very funny story. I was a fucking Shannon Doherty fan, like you read about. Like, I was a huge Shannon Doherty fan. Like, I, like, Brenda. Like, I fucking, like, I lived, uh, when I was in Vancouver doing a lot of booze and drugs back in the grunge days. I had a wall of Shannon that literally, I just had all pictures of her and posts of her on my wall in my living room. Like, I was a huge Shannon. So it actually, like, not only to be the guy that got her cast in in, in, in Mall Rat, but to actually get to hang out with her. It was incredible. And the great thing with Shannon Doherty is she does not disappoint. She's a wonderful, feisty firecracker of a human being. She's nobody's fool. Meeting her was amazing. And I bet I met her under the best circumstances possible. It's like, this is the guy that suggests to you for the movie. And she's like, oh, I like that guy
1: your career and, and Smith's career have been kind of intertwined, like even all the way back to your first feature, having like Jason Lee and Jason Mewes in that. I mean, it's just, I didn't realize how integral your career is with his.
0: It's embarrassing, actually. I mean, he, like I was, a, I, like I was working for Filmtime Magazine and then I was doing an on-set for Mall Rat and then he invited me to stay for the entire shoot. And he ended up getting some deal with Miramax where he had, um, he ended up getting money to make these micro-budget movies. And literally, at the end of the Mallrat shit, he offered me money to make my first movie. Which fucking blew me out of the water. He gave me the money to make my first movie. And because I was on the set all the time, and I'd become friends with Jason Lee and Carmen, his wife at the time. Like, I was just like, you guys want to come out and make a movie? And they are like, yeah. So it was just, like, that was, like, I basically stole the cast of Mallrats. Like you know, Ethan please in the movie, Joe is in the movie, you know, in small cameo. I was like drawing my first movie. I was very privileged, very
1: lucky. It's weird because I mostly think of you when it comes to your documentaries. Like when Bear Nation came out, that was just like it really you were on my radar. I was just like, oh wow, this is fucking fantastic. This is a great
0: doc. Oh thanks. How did that one come to be? Bear nation. Well, I'm a bear. Kevin was actually the one that suggested I was. I wanted to make. I. I didn't. It just seemed too on the nose for me to make it. I just made Small Town Gay Bar. After I made Small Town Gay Bar, like my father died, and I ended up, and my most important relationship in my life ended with my boyfriend. So I was in a fucking dark place, and you know most of my ideas for documentaries are pretty dark. And Kevin was just like, just fucking make the bear documentary, and I was like. All right. So I put it together and I, I just did not want like the simple bear documentary and have a bunch of fucking muscle bears talking about bullshit. So I was like, well, who interests me that's in this world? And then I, you know, I talked to Bob Mole. and once, you know, Bob Mould, I talked to Kevin. So I wanted to kind of get different disparate voices in the film. So that was kind of luck. And basically I was making it while, uh, you know, I was making while Kevin was in a cop out. So I got Tracy and Morgan to be in the beginning which was awesome. That was a very fortuitous movie. That was, of all the movies, of all the doc, that was the easiest and funnest documentary i made. Like, that was easy. Like, a lot of the guys, like, the truth of a fair nation, a lot of the people interviewed in that movie were ex-lovers. I did a lot of that documentary, were, were, like, in my living room. I, I talked to, like, some ex-boyfriends. No, I mean, I talked to a lot of other people, but I just wanted to start, like, I, they, you know, I mean, the reason why ex- my ex-boyfriend, or the reason they're my boyfriend is because I found them Fascinating, interesting people. So it made sense to kind of have them involved.
1: If that was the easiest stock for you to make, what was the most difficult?
0: This. This was tough. This and Continental were tough. This was tough just because, like, look, I took my job as, as a documentarian very seriously, and Kevin took his role, Kevin Smith, very seriously, and we butted heads. You know, we fought. Like, we didn't talk for a fucking year while making this movie. Like, literally, did not talk for a year. That was all over the Weinstein thing,'cause like at first we agreed that Weinstein wasn't going a documentary because the case was kind of like i like I knew Kevin instantly enough to know what the story was, and i so I knew we all knew that Harvey Weinstein was a piece of shit. we didn't know he was a rapist piece of shit, you know what I mean like it's a it's a big leap from scoundrel to rapist. We all knew he was a scoundrel, we didn't know he was a rapist, and, and of course, rapist is what's very problematic and i knew I knew what Kevin knew, so I was just like, look. I'm not the guy to tell the Harvey Weinstein story. Like, I'm not a good enough filmmaker to balance telling the Kevin Smith story and just do a dip into the Harvey Weinstein atrocity. Like, I just, I, I couldn't get my head around it. And, you know, Kevin was like, well, I feel it's important that I talk about it. And I was just like, okay, that's great. But I think that it's going to sidetrack everything if we're telling this fairly happy, puffy, like, I don't want to say puffy, but it's, Kevin is not a man full of controversy. The Harvey Weinstein thing is the closest it comes to real controversy. Like, you know, there's the dogma thing and everything, but the dogma thing was much do about nothing. The Harvey Weinstein thing is real fucking meaty controversy. But I knew Kevin's relation to it, so I felt comfortable not focusing on that, and I didn't want to muddy things by getting into that because I just didn't feel that I I, I didn't feel I was the filmmaker to tell that story. So I I just wanted to like look. Like other people are gonna tell the Harvey Weinstein story. I don't think that we have a place for it. Kevin was like I Kevin felt very strongly about it. Then we both stood to our guns. I was like, fuck you. He was like, Fuck you. We didn't talk for you. Finally it was just like, like I was just like, Okay, if you wanna if you wanna try something and it was so funny. Filming the part where he talks about Harvey Weinstein is the least directed like it was so like I literally sat behind the camera, like the camera was set up and I was like, Okay, like, what are you going to say? Like, I didn't ask him a question. I'm just like, all right. And he, he basically said his thing. And I was like, okay, that totally works. That's smart. And that's kind of like, it's, it's his truth. And it was up to my editor to figure out a way, like literally my editor, I like that Harvey Weinstein thing fitting in is a testament to Kevin and my editor. Kevin filmed his bet. You know, I believe very much in making documentary. Like they're not stitched together. They're woven together. You know what I mean? You can't just stitch a bunch of shit together. It's all got to be woven together. And it was up to my editor to weave Kevin's narrative on the Harvey Weinstein thing into the, the film. And I he and he found a perfect place. I kind of like, like, as I said, like, I didn't, I, I, I didn't see how it worked. I couldn't get around the largeness of the Weinstein thing. I didn't want to be exploitational. And I didn't want to be like, and I didn't want to be breezy about it. I wanted to be like, You know, that, that deserves a deep dive. But Kevin said his truth and it it, it ultimately worked. That, like, that was hard. It was hard on both of us. It was hard on Kevin, it was hard on me. We were very fucking angry at each other. But we were both kind of like, I understand his point and that's about it. But that, I mean, that's the negative stuff. But the positive stuff is like, I wanted to make a really, like, I'm making a documentary about somebody that, you know, I have a lot of respect for, so I don't want to fuck it up. So there was a lot of pressure. And at the time, we were rushing to make it, like, because we were kind of focusing on this 25-year anniversary thing. So we were very rushed, and it was very rushed. Timing, it was like fucking, like, we shot majority of of the footage of those interviews within a three-month time period, which is very intense when you're talking about getting those people together.
1: Yeah, there's got to be that extra pressure of making a doc about, one, a filmmaker – so you can't bluff anything, and two, that he's your friend. So you have to really tread that line very carefully. So yeah, that it, it's quite a juggling job that you
0: just did. And I'm ta- and again, it's two strong personalities. Like, I have a very strong personality. You don't want to just make this fucking ridiculous puppy piece. You want to maintain some, like, I'm a social issue clear documentarian. You know what I mean? I I have my, I, you know, I have ethics. Like, I believe, you know, there's certain things like, you know, ethics aren't so big anymore. I'm somebody who firmly believes in certain things. I believe in God, So I hold myself to a serious code of ethics. And essentially, like, you know, this was a complicated process for me. And I was constantly checking myself and making sure that, you know, I, I was being true, not only to Kevin, but to myself. So it was complicated.
1: What finally pushed you to make this documentary? What was that decision point for you?
0: these guys were talking about doing a book for Kevin's 25th anniversary and Kevin suggested me for it. And I started kind of talking with the publisher about it and it's just kind of like, I hadn't really been a writer in a long time and I was, I'm a documentarian. So I kind of grabbed it. I just said, Kevin, like, why don't we make a documentary? Like, I mean, I'll, I'll interview people for a book, but like, I would rather film it and make a documentary. And Kevin agreed. So it it came into Canada very organically. It was just kind of like, Kevin certainly was not pushing for it. I was the one who approached him about it, and it was just the twenty-five year thing. That kind of you know those anniversaries tend to lead to such things as you know making a document of. I wanted to tell the twenty-five year careers, and hopefully, in twenty-five years, somebody picks it up and tells that story.
1: How many things do you work on at the same time? How many films or projects do you have going at once?
0: One, and that's the frustrating of this because this movie is like. It's been like this fucking year, like it was supposed to debut last year. I can't move on to the next one. Like I know the next one I want to make, but it's just been like, I've been focusing on kind of getting this one out of the world. So I, yeah, I can only do, I, can literally, I can't I can't walk and chew bubbles. I can only do one movie at a time.
1: Yeah, the pandemic, has just completely fucked you over.
0: Well, on so many levels, like I'm a fat man. So, you know, this shit will kill me. You know, I've been living in constant fear for a year. Just crazy, right? I mean this pandemic is like like look, we're casually doing this interview, but they're like literally there's a the fucking in Canada right now, like you know we're having a problem with the vaccinations and the variants are growing, and it's just like we're living in this kind of weird fucking world, but we're just having this casual conversation about this documentary I made that played Birch Little film festival. it's just so fucking weird it's just weird, everything's weird, and we just but it's a it's amazing. The, as he, how humans how we adapt to make things not weird uh, one thing I've really seen in the past year is just the real resilience of the human spirit and just kind of like the, how we just accept things it's just like okay I guess this is the way it is now let's do it like this like the one thing I wouldn't give in on was Zoom until this film festival came up I hadn't done Zoom with anybody anytime anybody suggested I would laugh at them and be like yeah okay I'll I'll give you a call and so when like all of a sudden I started doing a lot of zoom and then I had one press day and all the interviews were zoom. And I was like, I'm not going to do that again. And the says, well, that's what people are doing. that. I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'll, I'll, I'll happily talk to people. Like it's a privilege to get people talk about your film, but I'm not going to do it on zoom. Do I know what's next for me? Yeah. I'm going to make a documentary, about a Canadian filmmaker by the, name, by the name of Bruce McDonald, who has like Richard Linklater was a big inspiration for Kevin. Bruce MacDonald was my Richard Linklater. He's this Canadian filmmaker that's made a lot of really great uh, films. Quentin Tarantino, actually, one of his films in the 90s called Hardcore Logo, when Quentin was doing that Rolling Thunder thing. Uh, he's just this really awesome Canadian filmmaker. It's kind of like, uh, you know, I had the privilege to be my friend, and now I want to do kind of my script. I like doing the biography, and I like, you know, and the thing about documentaries, you have to be interested in the subject. You can't fake it. Maybe some people can I can't. Like if I'm doing a documentary on something, because I don't go in with a bunch of like, I, like some can say it's laziness, but it's not like I don't go in with preset questions. I've never had cards in my life. Like, I just go in and sit down and ask questions and, and, and have a conversation, which works for my style. Cause essentially like it's more comfortable. If you're sitting there just with a bunch of cards talking to somebody face to face, it doesn't feel organic. But if you're just like, hey, man. And then if you're genuinely interested in your subject, that will guide you. You know what I mean? You, 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 your, your curiosity will lead to the best interview because you're naturally curious. And basically, you want to know what everybody else wants. And that was the funny thing with telling the like One of the fucking things that reviews, like, you're not supposed to read them, but I did. A lot of people are saying, like, well, there's nothing new. And I'm like it's you know, fucking Kevin Smith, living in public. Like, what, what new can you say about this guy? Well, he's not a puzzle that needs to be solved. You know what I mean? There's nothing new to say about Kevin Smith. I mean, he is constantly evolving and changing, but he like he's very good at documenting himself. What I wanted to do was do this kind of triptych of the 25 years of his career. Uh, and I didn't want to do this traditional yearbook thing of just bringing out the same old fucking people. I wanted to have interesting people kind of uh, you know, weigh in, like having Jason Reitman, uh, you know, having Richard Linklater, having Penn Gillette, like these are interesting people to have talk about Kevin, you know, I, I just wanted to kind of do this summary of the past 25 years and, you know, and basically do look back and uh, I, I'm really happy with it. and people seem to like it. And then, but you know, you can't please everybody.
1: Malcolm, it is so nice to finally be able to talk to you. I know we've been friends on Facebook for a while, but we've never had a conversation. So this is fucking awesome.
0: Thank you for taking the time to talk to me about my bullshit. I appreciate it.
1: Good luck. I know you got a lot of these set up for today. So good luck with all that. And I hope you get out of traffic soon.
0: Thanks, man. It was really awesome to talk to you, man. Like, sincerely. Rock and roll, my brother.
1: Well, folks, this is it for South by Southwest coverage. Thank you so much for enjoying these episodes that I've done. Please check out the other three if you haven't heard those. Lots of good interviews. I've seen lots of good movies at the festival. I kind of like this whole idea of the remote festival, especially for somebody who can't necessarily afford to pack up the bags and go to Austin for a week and sit in a dark theater. Oh, my God, that sounds like just... The most wonderful thing, though, right now, just being able to travel, hang out with people, see movies, go to different places, go to restaurants. One of these days, folks, maybe we'll get back to that. Until then, thank you so much for enjoying the show. Keep on keeping on. for listening Christopher Media let's make some noise Judy was boring hello then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com
0: it's my little escape
1: now Judy's the life of the party
0: oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon
1: whoa take it easy Judy <laughs>